0: Do you love NFL football fun and booze? Join us at Thirst and Gold Podcast every Saturday night for weekly NFL coverage, whiskey, bourbon, scotch, and beer reviews. We mix expert football analysis with signature drinks, original segments, and
1: lots and lots of laughs. Yes, that's right, football fans. Please join us at Thirst and Gold Podcast by heading over to thirstandgoal.busprout.com or search Thirst and Gold on the web. If you're tired of boring podcasts, come join our football party. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We drive all day, oh. day Stay tuned, man. We got something special for to you today. You're listening to the Full Ten Yards podcast. To the ten, right to the five, in for the score. Touchdown!
2: Yeah. Yes, welcome back, football fans. Hope you are all doing well and keeping safe. We're moving swiftly through uh, division by division, way too early preview of the NFL 2020 season. And we're moving to the South, the AFC South to be precise, Um, a division that was extremely competitive last year um, and potentially could be so again this time around. I'm joined for this podcast by James, who's going to give us the fantasy angle. So James, welcome in, mate. How are you doing, pal?
3: Uh, Not too bad.
2: Jolly good, mate. Jolly good. Pleasure to have you on. We'll get Rob back on at some point, probably to discuss the Colts in a bit of depth. Um, but as with everybody, I'm sure we're all struggling with childcare arrangements and all the rest of it. Rob uh, has had to unfortunately dip out at last minute, so really appreciate James stepping in. We'll get straight into it then, mate. Let's get into our first team, and we're going to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars um, still the Jacksonville Jaguars potentially the London Jaguars at some point but obviously for now still residing in Florida and to talk all things Jags I'm going to bring in our guest today JM Jags fan Rich how you doing buddy?
1: I'm really good, thanks. How are you? Yeah,
2: not too bad at all, mate. Not too bad at all. Um, interesting off-season, as always, it would seem, <laughs> in in Florida for the Jags. Um, and a lot of talk around the players that are leaving as much as the players that are coming in. We'll talk about um, some of the players that you've added to the mix. But obviously, I suppose we, we would um, you know, be doing a disservice to not talk about the players that have moved on. Quite a big clear out. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously cap space probably playing quite a factor in that but well, just talk us through the the off-season moves that the Jags have made so far buddy
1: yeah so I mean for me um going into this off-season it was quite obvious we were going to need to rebuild which is becoming a long-running joke really as this seems to happen every few years now so in terms of the moves we've made on the players that have left so we've obviously traded away Calais Campbell AJ Boye and then we refuse the um the team option on Marcel Darius as well. Now, the, the Jags actually had quite a lot of criticism for the moves they made, but to me, I have actually got no issue with the moves with trading those players away or cutting those players. Um, Calais Campbell is one of the best Jags players in recent times, but, you know, he's 33 years old now. His production has started to dip a little bit. For me, I would have loved to have still keep him kept Campbell this season going into 2020 but he had a cap hit of around 15 16 million dollars which doesn't make sense for a team that's trying to rebuild uh, same with AJ Boye there's been rumours since the end of last season that we were going to cut Boye which would mean we'd get nothing for him um, again to save on salary cap space so for me getting a fourth round pick for him is absolutely fine and again with Marcel Darius he came in in the 2017 season, he was a big reason why we went to the championship game that year. Uh, we struggled against the run the first half of that season and he made a big difference. But again, it's down to the salary cap problems that we're having. And that's once again, thanks to Tom Coughlin who's left us in salary cap hell for the second time. Uh, my issue isn't with um, getting rid of those players, to be honest. My issue is that we still have Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone in charge, which when you're looking to rebuild, rebuild a team, For me, you've still got two men there that partly or quite heavily responsible for the mess that we're in. So that's the part that I've got an issue with, is, is not that the players we've let go or the fact that we're rebuilding again. It's the fact that we still have Dave Caldwell, who's been a peninal failure since he came in in 2013.
2: Yeah, like you say, a lot of um, a lot of movement across the defense, in particular with players going out. A player that still, as we record this this morning, he's on the the roster, but obviously a lot of talk as to whether he ever will suit up again for the Jags. He's obviously Yannick and What's your view in terms of what's going to happen there?
1: I, I think we'll we've we've obviously franchise tagged him. I would be absolutely amazed if we ever see him play for us again. And it, it's such a huge shame. You know, we drafted him out in the third round in 2016. And he's probably the best value we've had for any player in franchise history. But the guy clearly doesn't want to be here. I think a lot of that comes down to the, the issues that came out last year, where um, I think from 2017 to 2019, I think the NFL Players Association came out and said that the most uh, complaints they had from players was from the Jacks. <laughs> and I think a lot of it comes down to that. I think the bridges are burned. I think he wants to go. For me, I, th- I think the reason we've put the tag on him is so that we can possibly involve him in a sign-and-trade deal. That- that's the only way I can see this going. I would be amazed if we see him ever again, which is unfortunate, as I say. But we, we do have someone in Josh Allen who we drafted last year in the first round. Um, someone to build around, you know. So, letting Ngak go isn't as much of a devastating blow as it would have been last year for a team that's rebuilding. We have got someone like Josh Allen that we can build around. But, You know, we can dress it up all we want. It's still a big blow that he will go. But I just hope, it's just seeing what we can get for him, really.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. It It is one of those you'd expect to get some fair compensation. He's obviously been a productive player for the last few seasons, hasn't he? So you would imagine somebody definitely will show an interest We'll stay on the defensive side of the ball because that's where one of the main additions has been and that's obviously Joe Showbert, a middle yeah. linebacker, a player I know all about in terms of his career mm. with the Browns. What, what's the view from from your perspective in terms of what he brings to that Jags defence?
1: Well, um, I'll be interested to hear what you have to say because I was, I was really happy with his signing and I was quite surprised that we spent that much money at that position. Um, in a lot of um, build up to free agency, Schobert was mentioned as a potential fit for the Jags, and he certainly is, considering we were absolutely atrocious against the run last season. And by signing him, I'm, I'm assuming he'll slot straight in a middle linebacker, which allows Miles Jack to go back to the weak side, because Miles Jack has been really good since, since we drafted him in 2016 as well. The issue was we tried to move him to middle linebacker last season, which is pretty much the quarterback of the defence and he really struggled he was horrific to be honest so it allows him to go back to his strongest position and Schobert will slot right in the middle I'm really happy with that signing as I said for a team rebuilding I was quite surprised um, but pretty happy that we spent that sort of money there so what would your thoughts be on Schobert from seeing him week to week
2: I think he's everything that you want in terms of that quarterback of the defence as you've alluded to there he gets everybody lined up he's certainly a leader on the field I think Schaubert was almost a early salary cap victim for the Browns, which seems strange because they've got a lot of <laughs> cap at the moment. Um, however, I think long term, you know, we, we probably will be signing Miles Garrett to an extension you would have thought this year. Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward are just going to be around the corner in a couple of years' time. Yeah. Um, and I think they just didn't want to invest too much money in Schaubert. I think if they could have got him back at the the right price for the Browns, um, I think he certainly would have been, um, you know, something they wanted to do, um, you know. But I think he's he's absolutely a, a fantastic player. He's obviously made the Pro Bowl, um, admittedly as a reserve, but uh, you know, nevertheless, he suited up the last couple of years, um, you know, and absolutely, I think he's he's everything that you want in terms of a marshal on that defense. So um, certainly a player that a lot of Browns fans have got a lot of time for, and will be, uh, you know, hoping that he does well um, in his new environment. Yeah. Uh, We've talked a lot there about defence, of course, one of the headline moves, and and James, I'll come to you for your view on this shortly once Rich has had his say, but obviously the signing of last off-season in terms of Nick Foles um, (laughs) obviously didn't work out, um, and obviously the, the the, the Gardner Minshew mania that sort of burst onto the scene around the sort of September-October period of last year, it kind of faded away, but ultimately never, you know, sort of completely went away. And obviously the Jags have committed to Minshew. Um, what's your thoughts on that, Rich? Is that the right move? And, and obviously, you know, as much as it was a nice Cinderella story, you know, there does need to be some improvement in year two for Minshew, doesn't there?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think you're right. It was sort of a Cinderella story in September and October. Um, I'm not hundred percent convinced that he's the answer. To be totally honest, uh, I think there's a reason he was taken so. He would, I think he fell to the sixth round in the draft, or not necessarily fell. I think that's probably where he was projected to go. And it, you know, on paper he had a pretty decent record. We went six and six with him as a starter. The only real horrific performance was in the the game against the Texans at Wembley. Um, apart from that He was up and down A little bit When he came back in In the second half Of the season Now this probably Contradicts a little bit What I've been saying On social media this week as there's been rumours That we, uh, the Jags Could look at Bringing in Cam Newton Or Jameis Winston Now I'm a, Probably the only Big fan of Jameis Winston <laughs> But Um if Cam Newton's healthy, obviously, be a great option. But for me, and I, I sort of, there was a poll on on Twitter. I think it was yesterday or Thursday, suggesting who gives the Jags the best chance to win now: Cam Newton or Gardner Minshew. The answer is obviously Cam Newton. But for me, it doesn't really make sense at this point to bring in a quarterback like Cam Newton, Jameis Winston through free agency. We've just got rid of Nick Foles' horrific contract. It doesn't make much sense to bring one of those guys in looking for big money, and. This roster is clearly not ready to win now. Um, it, I'm almost certain we'll be finishing last in the AFC South this year. For me, is someone like Cam Newton going to want to wait around until 2021, 2022 to have the weapons around him to compete? I just I just don't see it. So for me, I think it is the right option to go with Gardner Minshew. I think we'll probably draft someone day two in the NFL draft to compete with him because the only quarterback behind him at the minute is Josh Jobs. Now, that is... Pretty depressing quarterback room, to be totally honest. (laughs) But I I don't. It it, going ahead with a plan that we seem to be going with, which is a rebuild. There's just no point bringing in an expensive free agent. So I think it was right, certainly right, to get rid of Nick Foles. Um, It was a horrific contract when we signed him. I wasn't convinced then, and it certainly proved to be right. I don't think a lot of people were. We signed him basically. He caught lightning in a bottle, I think, with the Eagles in 2017. A little bit like we did the same year. Um, in reaching the championship game but we, we get rid of falls, there's no point going and signing another veteran on a big contract, we may as well give Gardner Minshew a season to see what he can do I think it's very likely we will be picking early in the 2021 draft so I'm all on the tank for Trevor Lawrence train this season
2: Oh dear, tanking already <laughs> and we haven't even kicked off um, James, come to you just for your view on, on that move it's obviously a move that like I say has probably you know gained a fair few headlines and even you know Fans that don't necessarily follow the Jags will, will probably have a view on it. What's what's your view on that? I know you said your other half also a, a Jags fan. So what was the uh, perspective like in your household
3: when that move was
2: ultimately made?
3: Um, I think the ultimate thing was well done for getting rid of the Falls contract. Yeah. Um, I think that was that was probably debatably the Jags' best business so far this season. So um, I'd have to say that I think the right thing to do is to give Minshew the year. It's I mean, the whole tanking for Trevor is not exactly a bad proposition when you look at it. Mm. So, um, you, you, you wouldn't, you'd like to hope the drugs don't have to go that way, but um, I think it may go that way without them even trying. <laughs> um, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think Minshew is for this season. Minshew is the right thing. You pay Cam Newton or Jameis Winston, you know, it's not going to work because mm-hmm. the only way it's going to work for the Jags is if it's a one-year deal, and I don't think either of them are going to settle for a one-year deal with anyone, uh, unless it literally is the only place they can get a start. Which yes, the Jags could be in that situation, but um, <laughs> to put it nicely, I'm not sure Cam is that desperate.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think he is either.
3: <laughs> let's move our attention
2: then, boys, to the draft. I mean, obviously, if there is any further free agency moves, they're, they're likely to be at the lower level. Like you say, I suppose there's always the, the potential that um, you know there could be a big quarterback brought in. But obviously, if that happens, we'll react to it at that time. So let, let's go to the draft. Obviously, the Jags got a couple of first-round picks this year, scheduled to be picking 9th and 20th. Um, and obviously you've got a you know a fair few other picks scattered throughout the rest of the three days. Where would you be looking, Rich, for them to upgrade? I mean, I've seen plenty of mock drafts that have got offensive line help um, at number nine. I think that's a you know an area that would make sense. Um, yeah. But if you were putting the card in, where would you be looking to improve this roster?
1: I would. Well. Um... We probably need about six first-round picks to fill most of the holes on this <laughs> roster now. Um, I'd probably be looking at cornerback. Um, I mean, you look at the the depth chart at cornerback at the minute. We signed Rashawn Melvin from Detroit this week, um, and he's competing with Trey Herndon, Brandon Watson, Parry Nickerson, Jason Stanley, and DJ Aiden. Now, to be fair, DJ Aiden is actually a very good player, and he was one of the bright spots last year, but that is extremely thin. Uh, for me, going into the draft, I'd be looking at potentially Jeff Akuda, which I, th- I think is in a tier of his own at cornerback in this draft. The only issue is that I'm not convinced that Jeff Akuda will reach us at nine overall, to be honest. And if he doesn't, suggestions coming out of Jacksonville at the minute suggest we may actually look for defensive line help. I know we've spent, it sounds crazy, really. We've spent most of our money in free agency um, on the defence, really, and trying to shore up defending against the run. But there are still holes there. I think we potentially could go defensive line there. Um, and then looking at 20 overall, uh, dream scenario. Now, James may have some thoughts on this when we get to the fantasy perspective. I'm not 100% sold on DJ Shark as a lead receiver. Um, I would love someone like Jerry Judy, someone like that, or Henry Ruggs to drop to the Jags at 20. But again, that's, they potentially could, but whether or not the Jags go that way, I'm not so sure.
2: Yeah, I think um you know, some help into that wide receiver room. I think you know DJ Chark had a nice sort of I wouldn't say necessarily a breakout campaign last year, but he certainly flashed some potential. Um, you yeah, know, he seemed to have a nice connection with Minshew, possibly one of the reasons yeah. that they've ultimately gone that way at quarterback, yeah. I suppose. Um we'll talk about fancy then, James. Let's let's um let's sort of see, you know, let's let's go with what's on the roster currently. Um we did joke before we started recording that this might be a short segment. <laughs> yeah <laughs> But um, if, yes. we were, if we were looking for Jags to draft, I mean, would DJ Chark come into the consideration? I suppose, it, you know, in terms of, well, what value do you think DJ Chark is? What sort of area do you think we should be looking to, to draft DJ?
3: Well, he's going to get drafted. Um, that's a good start. Um, him and Mintry did have a decent connection. So he, I mean, to be fair, he is probably a candidate for being drafted in draft, <laughs> I would say, at the moment, because he did have such a stellar season last season. Um, he's never going to keep that up. No. Um, so, um, if you Not start for his expect-
1: price, I think I think you're right. I think no. this is price that's the issue.
3: I think the trick the trick's going to be if you're in leagues where you know look at his ADP on you know various sites that have, you know have got cumulative ratings because I think he may be one of those players where platform to platform the sort of ranking in the in the ADP the average draft position might be very different. So you might find that you know on an ESPN mm-hmm. draft you'll be you know say sixth round. And on sleeper bot it could be like eighth round or something. I don't think yeah. it'd be quite that far down, but you never know nowadays. Depends what, how many teams you got in your league as well. Yeah, uh, but he will be owned in most leagues, I would imagine. To be honest, um, I'd say that in terms of you know your high end relevance Leonard Fournette's still going to be in the top three rounds, guaranteed. Um, they're still very much looking like they're going to play run first and hope the defense holds, which. Um, to be fair they still need you know to rebuild the defense back into what it was for that to work but Fournette will see use um dd westbrook is probably the other reason why dj shark isn't going to be worth the draft capital you pay <laughs> because i think they'll spread it between those two and even even though it'd be it'd be a nice thought to have like you know judy lamor rugs in mm. jacksonville uh Dost- they're not going to spend number nine pick on either of yeah. those. And I don't think either of them falls to 20 because there's so many teams that need wide receiver help this year. I can already think of, you know, probably three or four that pick between the Jacks two picks that would definitely take wide receivers if they were there. Yeah. I mean, the, Ra- the Raiders are a big one. Um, and they've been linked with all of them. Yeah, so I mean, if, they, if, they don't
1: if, they, if they don't take Jerry Judy, I'd be amazed. The Raiders, to be honest, it would be nuts not to.
3: If they don't take him, it means that you got taken before they got to pick. Yeah. Simple totally as. So. Yeah, um, I
1: mean, So, carry on. Sorry, I was just going to jump in there on the Leonard Fonnet. Eh? Um, Go for it. Just because uh, he's someone to keep an eye on this off-season. Obviously, I think he's... We, I don't think we've decided yet whether or not we're taking up the fifth-year option or whether we're going to try to get him to sign another deal. That helps us with salary cap space. Now, as you're probably aware, Leonard Fournette doesn't exactly have a great relationship with the team. Uh, I would not be completely surprised to see Leonard Fournette hold out. Um, and that could happen this season. So an under-the-radar pick, potentially very late in drafts, could be Rykel Armstead. Yeah, well, Armstead, yep. last year. yeah. I'd keep an eye on him, especially potentially in dynasty leagues. He may not even be owned. But if Leonard Fournette holds out, he's going to be the, the lead back in the Jags' offense, and he's, he, he plays pretty similar to Leonard Fournette, to be honest. Um, so yeah he's someone that he might even go undrafted you know if, if drafts are taking place June or July people may if, if any rumours do swirl around about Fonette it may be similar to Ezekiel Elliott obviously not the same talent level but as last year where people expect him to come back I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Leonard Fonette hold out so Riko Lowenstead is someone to look at very late in drafts or potentially even free agency after the draft.
2: There you go and then, folks. It was a bit longer segment than we thought. The potentially <laughs> value, there's potentially some value in some of these Jags a bit later on in the Fantasy Draft's upcoming. Uh, let's have a quick look at the betting, Rich, before we let you go. You've said that you probably expect the team to finish last in the yep. AFC South and certainly the bookies would support your view there. Um I'm a little bit surprised it's so big of a price, but 14 to 1 is the best price you can get on the Jags to win the South. Um, if you're feeling extremely optimistic and think they go all the way <laughs> for the big one, it's 150
1: oh. to 1 for the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be putting any money on that one. No. I mean, the 14 to 1 to me teams seems too short. I just I just, I don't think there's any way this season that I think you... You look back at when Dave Caldwell came in in 2013 and he tried to do a similar thing, really, where we stripped the roster of veterans and pretty much tried to rebuild. To be fair, we have got a few more pieces than we did in 2013. That, that was one of the worst rosters I've ever seen in 20 years watching the NFL. But, you know, we've, we've, there's way too many holes to fill. Even if we smash the draft out of the park... It's going to be too early this year. I mean, I wouldn't take 14 to 1, to be honest.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's a competitive division, and that's sort of summed up by the rest of the odds. You've got the Colts at 9 to 5 as a slight favourite, Tennessee 2 to 1, and Houston 3 to 1. I'm a little bit surprised at Houston's price, to be honest. I thought that would be a little bit bigger than that, but I think that just shows the competitive nature of the division. So it will be an interesting one to watch, hopefully, once September rolls around.
4: Mm, definitely.
2: Um, Rich where can people interact with you on social media buddy talk all things Jags
1: Yep. so uh, on Twitter you can follow me at FFMiz1 Um, we also have a new podcast through the Fantasy Football Astronauts uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at uh, British underscore Ballers and our first podcast came out earlier this week
2: Excellent, mate. We will give that a listen and good luck with the new venture, mate. It's all about growing the NFL community in the UK. That's what this series is all about, making sure we all keep talking to each other through these difficult times. Um, Definitely. So good luck with that indeed, mate. And like I say, we will certainly give it a listen. Any other Jags fans that are out there, as always, get in touch with us on Twitter. You can leave us messages through the website as well. You know, Even in audio form, we'll get some played out if you have some really strong views on what the Jags have done so far throughout the off-season and obviously what you would like them to do during the draft. Let's get as many people interacting as we possibly can and you know, give ourselves all a nice distraction in the current climate that we're all living in. Um, Richard, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thanks ever so much for joining us Thanks on the podcast. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers, Paul. i speak soon. Stay safe. Bye. Cheers. See ya. Thanks to Rich there, coming on, talking all things Jags. And let's move on to the other three teams in the division that probably will be fighting it out come the back end of the season. It was obviously close last year with the Texans, ultimately just about holding on to the divisional crown. Um, but obviously an early exit in the playoffs, ultimately. Um, and to talk all things Texans, let's welcome in one of the regulars at the full 10 yards, of course. Ewan, how are you doing, buddy?
5: I'm all right. Coming in the... Uh... Age of biowarfare. It's and uh, down, so we're getting there. Absolutely, mate.
2: Absolutely. Good to talk some football and get some welcome distraction. Um, and obviously, the, the Texans have been one of the teams that have caused quite a stir. It's probably um, safe to say in terms of the off-season. Obviously, the big sort of news is the trade away of DeAndre Hopkins. We'll talk about that um, in a moment. But I suppose the big question, or you know, certainly the question um from the outside looking in he's you know, can Deshaun Watson continue to sort of operate in the manner that he has done? I know you're a big fan of him, I am as well. Um he's obviously done great things since he's joined. But can he continue sort of essentially papering over all these cracks that Bill O'Brien seems determined to continually opening up for him?
5: In short, yes. Longer answer would be He's still got a lot of growth in his own game. I think sometimes his fundamentals let him down. His footwork at times doesn't give himself a a basis to to step into throws and uh, he relies too much on his athleticism and tries to, you know, sometimes extend plays and takes cheap stacks and, and, and puts you behind the chains consistently. So if he can find a way to play within the system and allow his talent to come out at enough times in a game... Um, to do to do himself justice rather than kind of you know always looking for that highlight highlight play then yeah I think the answer is yes there is an argument that could be made that he was over-reliant on Hopkins and the best systems uh, distribute the ball you know evenly among its targets so he doesn't have that go to guy on third down and third and short and Hopkins played a lot in the slot last year so. The signing of Randall Cobb actually comes in and, and allows him to, you know, to to have a true slot um, in there, which we've not had, really, um, in his time there. And this offense is all based around a slot receiver. So, in theory, we should have more balance um, to, to his game. Uh, but he's still growing as a player. Last year was only really his third season uh, in, the, you know, in, in the pros, and he's still got a lot of growth um, and, and development. He, he, you know, we've seen growth year on year. And improvements and weaknesses of his game, um, but he's still got a ways to go uh, to be in the top, you know, to be in the top, you know, three or four guys' conversations. So, I think the answer is yes. And actually, this will probably, you know, uh, make him reevaluate what he does. And uh, and it's, it's I think it's probably you know as it's not a good thing for the team, but for his growth individually, I think this could be a big step forward this year because you know it's either sink or swim. So, and I don't think he's he's got the uh, he's got the mentality to not let that happen. to
2: yeah, it's an interesting take on it, mate. Because obviously, like you say, from from the outside perspective, looking in, and, and the casual fan, if you like, that doesn't necessarily follow the Texans all that closely. I think the the biggest single criticism with the Hopkins trade, I think no one can deny he's his, his talent level and obviously his ability. He's, he's arguably one of the top sort of probably you know three or four receivers in the league, if not. You know, some people would argue with he's the best in the league. Um, it was the price that was obviously the thing that caused, you know, the biggest surprise. I mean, you you must have been disappointed to see that that was all that you were able to fetch back in return for, for a player of that calibre.
5: On initial inspection, yeah, absolutely. And I think your your initial um, reaction is one of much confusion and anger and frustration with the front office and Bill O'Brien and Look, do I like this trade? Absolutely not. Would you ever make this trade given the choice again, hundred times out of a hundred, probably not. But this comes down to one thing only: is money, and it's, and you've I found that in the NFL, it comes down to two things: it's either women or money, and in this case, it's the <laughs> latter. And uh, and there was, you know, okay, you can take those Michael Irvin reports that he was, you know, he was fed to, to put out there. Um, you can put, you know, you know, take about the, the things that were in the Albert Breer column on MMQB, talking about his practice habits and everything. But from all the guys that I know um, and all all the guys I speak to in, Houston, in the Houston media, every time Hopkins was out there, he put on a show uh, at practice. Did he practice a lot? He carried a lot of injuries? No. But I think what it came down to was the Eagles offered a bigger compensation package the Teams backed out when they realized he wanted an extra seven million a year. Um, so that's what led to this. It was not the fact that nobody was willing to pay the price, because that's the, the logical inference. I think why weren't 30 other one teams on the phone um, to, to make a deal of this if that was the asking price? But the asking price dropped on the basis that his contract's going to be after to have to be redone. He's only two years in a five year deal. Um, and I think longer term, um, now, should you know, the timing is wrong and the, co- the and the compensation is wrong, and you know I think we've just pulled the trigger too early, but that's what happens when you give an emotional man a a, a football coach born and bred a, a front office gig and uh, that he doesn't you know that he doesn't want it, um, and that's the position we've been put in But it came down to the money, and I think if you if you think of receivers like that when they get, he's going to turn twenty eight this year. When you know, and he's probably two or three years away from dropping away. As they often do, but I saw it with Andrew Johnson, he was an unbelievably dominant receiver. But as he hit 30 31, those traits start to fade slightly. Um, and the last thing you want to be doing is on the hook for 20 million um a year APY on a deal that somebody that's probably production is going to gradually fade. Now, not saying that's going to happen in the next two years, hopefully not. I've always liked Hopkins, great guy, really interesting uh character off the field, great player, you know. Does and it does this mean that the Texans don't think that Hopkins has got the best hands in the game? No. Does it mean he's still got a couple of years to go? No. But he asked he, this this deal was pushed back last off season. They came to this season and he and it was said that they would hold out, um if he didn't get a deal. So look, it came down to one thing only one thing money. Now does that mean you just tell him to Get on with it and we'll look at it next year. You know, we don't negotiate. You know, minimum two years left on a deal. Should that? Should they have held off? Yes. Should they have held off in this season when Hopkins can't even leave California to go and take his medical? Yes. So the trade's not even consummated yet. So, I mean, it's March. Um, you've got to take things in perspective. I think two years in a row we've had players shipped out for sub value, um, probably on a personal emotional. Level that shouldn't have happened, but you know it is what it is, and this team will be set back because of that, and that's unfortunately the reality. And it's going to take losses uh, on the field to make any material change. Unfortunately,
2: yeah, we we've talked about the price. Obviously, part of that price was was an incoming, of course, with David Johnson coming in. Um, obviously, an opportunity to um, you know kickstart his career again after a couple of down years. Um. Obviously, if you can get anything like the player that he was a couple of years ago, you know that will, will all of a sudden make it a, a slightly less bitter pill to swallow. Um, just talk us through some of the other moves, ins and outs, that the Texans have done, mate.
5: Yeah, I think it's with the in-house deals to be done to Larry Tunsell uh, we fully expect to be the highest-paid tackle in the league, and rightly so based on his play when he settled in last year. We've got Deshaun Watson, who's probably waiting on the Dak Prescott deal being dealt, and then after that, I think that will give him a basis of you know of a of a of a floor to negotiate from. Um, and obviously, you don't want the Mahomes deal to be done um, before that point. So I think those two moves in mind that inhibits the front office and. The salary cap in which they can which they can invest in players. Randall Cobb, I think, was it came down to them and one other team bidding for them. It was quite a hefty price up front, uh, but he's still got a lot of juice left. I think if you watch the tape late in late season last year for some of the in some of the uh, games with the Cowboys, I think he's still got he's still got a lot of uh, miles left. Um, so that juice is still there, and it leaves players at different ages. Uh, but he's all you know. But he's he's always been a. a more quicker than than uh, than fast, it's about acceleration in the slot, and I think he's still got that. So if he, so it's really only a two-year deal, um, but he'll come in in the slot and that, that provides some great competition, and, then, and when this offense has a slot, a true slot, it does look a lot different on the field. So that's good. Eric Murray, um, he was at the Browns last year, traded from the Chiefs so right at the start of last season. Again, I think when you look at it, he's a reasonably high amount to pay for a guy who's kind of a safety corner hybrid but could could come in there, could play a bit of nickel, play some special teams and I think they'll probably look to, you know, towards a third safety. Now again, I think all within mind in the, in the environment that we're in, potentially these, we've, we've seen Michael Brockers uh, not go ahead, we've seen um, a couple of other moves that have just not, not um, come to fruition because literally none of these deals are truly signed and sealed yet so um, it could happen David Johnson, I think if you look at you know, the Hard Knocks film, it's hard not to like the guy. Later round draft pick, 2016, unbelievable season. Uh, looked like the next coming of whoever you applaud, whatever sort of hyperbole you want to give him. Now, he's had a lot of injuries. So, I mean, and again, I think there's a good chance, just as we saw with the uh, Dwayne Brown trade a couple of years ago to Seattle. Uh, um, Jeremy Lane was meant to come over at corner he failed his medical and the trade was renegotiated so it's not unprecedented for that to happen so could that well happen with David Johnson and the trade has a bit of a, a different complexion quite possibly um, so we'll, we'll we'll see where where, where that leaves us uh, Jalen Watkins comes over from the Chargers um, as well um, he's a 4-2 guy he'll probably play Gunner on special teams uh Brent Covell from the Jets. I'm um, just a, a kind of guy to to compete for the the swing tackle position. I think the in-house moves. I think Bradley Roby was a good signing, a good you know below market deal for a player of his ability. When he's on, I think the the criticism of Roby and why he's left uh, Denver or why he was allowed to leave Denver was because he didn't necessarily back up season after season of quality play. Now, when he was fit last season in the ten games he started, uh, missed. Uh, six with um, with a hamstring injury. He was he was our best corner by some margin, and he can play in the slot and outside just as well um, as, as as either position. So he can follow a true number one. I don't think he necessarily is a true number one um, as corners go, but he but he can definitely do that. And he did a great job on Tidy Kill in the first game where we beat the Chiefs. That game was actually the game he went out injured. So overall, um, yeah, I think it's you don't win. You don't, No team wins the season in March uh, whatsoever, but it was good. Obviously, you know, disappointing to see DJ Reader leave. Thirteen and a half million with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, You know, um, teams like that have got to overpay for players. I think, you know, at the time he wanted 10, um, and the Texans offered him just a shame below 10. And he ends up getting a 13 and a half. So I think it's, it's a good move for him. Fifth round draft pick. Uh, guy didn't play a lot his senior year in college. That's why he dropped, blossomed into a player got better every year. Showed interior pass rush. So if he can rush in the edge, I'll... And sorry, if in, in the interior, if he can show that Russian ability consistently, which he's not done this career, then he will be worth that 13 and a half million. But, um, good to see, you know, good to see a guy like that get paid, and um, you can have enough higher words about the guy's character. So, yeah, overall, we just been a, a, an off season or a free agency period overshadowed by a trade, um, that on the, on the surface does not read well, and it probably won't read well for a number of years, but um. It's just unfortunately uh, with uh, Bob McNair passing away the season before last. I think there's probably not the uh, the rigor involved, in the ownership in the front office that needs to be. And I think some of the luxuries that Bill O'Brien has, has had um, in, in his career with the Texans by basically you know inaccuracies of Ryan Gregson at the Colts for a while prior to Chris Ballard, you know continual upheaval with the Jags, uh, the Titans again not one of you know not necessarily. A powerhouse of football, based on the decision they made off the field, the Texans have now got in danger of of getting creep you know creeping into that echelon of teams that can't get out their own way, unfortunately. Um, despite some of the players we've got on the field,
2: yeah, like you say, a lot of lot of change, a lot of upheaval. Um, and James, it's come to you, mate. Let's, before we we start looking at potentially what the the Texans might do in the draft, let's talk a little bit of fantasy football. Obviously, Hopkins was was one of the picks that was certainly coming off the board early in the first round of. Of many drafts last year, he probably will do again, but obviously in a different environment now. So, if we're looking for Houston Texans to add to the roster, um, as things stand today, where do you think we should be looking, mate? Like?
3: It's going to be interesting because now that with Hopkins gone, there's um, it, well, it's debatable where David Johnson's going to go. Because I've seen places where he's projected to be sort of end the second round, and some places where he's dropping sort of third and fourth. And it's that's going to be one to just keep an eye out over, over the months because he's very much going to be a wild card. He could be one of those who could be a league winner or he could be a bust. So there's very much a bit of a buy beware, but there's going to be value to be had at some point. Deshaun Watson is going to be one of those quarterbacks that, again, is going to be taken sort of in that early area where you're sacrificing quite a bit at running back and wide receiver in order to get a high-level quarterback. And he's probably one of those that isn't worth the gamble. So. You're looking further down the line. Now, however much Will Fuller should be a quality wide receiver, I just don't think he's ever fit for long enough to really warrant his draft position. Especially now with Hopkins, gone, he's going to get a boost up the, rate of the rankings, which, to be honest, his ranking initially was right because of it had the injury premium built in. So I'd say Randall Cobb is probably going to be the value because, as Ewan pointed out, you know, having a true slot receiver in a team that never had a true one before um, could be what keeps the Texans competitive, I reckon. Um, for those looking a bit further down the line, shall we say, um, Darren Fowles had a decent season last year at tight end. And if you're not going after one of the premium guys, he's probably a good player person to keep an eye on at the very end. Um, I imagine he might be one that ends up in the streaming merry go round. But he is probably one of the ones that could stick if you're lucky.
2: Yeah, no absolutely mate, I think some some good advice there. I think like you say the you know Will Fuller like you say he can win game weeks on his own corner, you know, if he's if he's on, but like you say, often he's he's inactive so absolutely like you say if you're looking for some consistency, um it may be best to shop elsewhere. Let's move then you in into the draft and just have a look from your perspective. If you were um, putting the cards in, what positions you'd be potentially looking to fill? Um, you know, again from the outside looking in, wide receiver seems an obvious one with, with Hopkins moving on and we've just you know alluded to Will Fuller's problems of staying on the field. So wide receiver is one that um, a number of people have slated. But uh, you know, where would you be looking to upgrade the team? At?
5: Yeah, from my point of view, I think yeah. in early picks, unless you've got a transcendent talent, I never, I never quite understand how you know you you don't build your lines um, based on the investment in the offensive line last year um, and the trade for Tunsil, um, potentially a later round pick in there to, to to give a bit of depth at guard or tackle um, as a kind of developmental prospect could could well be on the cards. Ed Rusher's gotta be the big the big one. I think the problem is in this draft, there isn't many, I think. If you look after the after the top end guys, obviously you've got Chase Young well and above at the end of the top, you've got GJ Espinesta from Iowa, uh Gross Matos from uh, Penn State, um, and then you know, you've got Ed looking even on chase and from LSU I think and after that there's a bit of a drop off at the edge rusher position so there's potentially not there's one guy I quite like and I watched Utah a lot last season because uh, they, had, they had a great D- defense to watch and I'm pretty much a defensive guy um, but uh, Brad and I uh, as an edge rusher I think he's got he showed up really well at the Super Bowl got rave reviews I think he's probably going to be overdrafted for for probably his production and, and, and his traits um, athletically speaking but Brad and I for me, would be, I think, a good fit um, and potentially could come and do a bit of dropping into coverage and and, uh, and cover that Jack Linebacker position in the 4-3 if we are going to continue to play that. I think that in interior Russia, talking about D.J. Reeder leaving, the guy at Missouri, uh, Jordan Elliott, uh, he can, he's got some real uh, – you know, Bucky Brooks has got him in the top five of uh, interior D- – defensive tackles I think he's got a a, a good a good base and a a good skill set to come in and and get pressure up the gut which is the you know what every team is looking for and when you've got guys like Chris Jones and not that I'm saying he's in that realm but when you have got Aaron Donald and things like that that completely changes um, how people have to set protections against your against your your front Um, and it's uh, it's, it's something every team needs so if they can find that in that whether it be Madabuki from A&M or whether it be Neville Galmore from, from Auburn I think it's it's, it's, it's the, the, there's potential um, picks out there. Um, and then I, I think as well, wide receiver, I think looking at the the benefit that uh, Debo Samuel gave uh, and as the offense is, you know, uh, from a traditionalist point of view, becomes a bit more college-led and some sort of trick and gimmick plays that you keep seeing coming into the league and um, tends to be effective. So if it's a LaVisca Chenault from Colorado State, I think he's fallen off boards, probably unfairly, I think, and you know, some people have him rated in top twenty just because is such an athlete. Jalen Raganor from TCU as well. I think he's another guy that that, um, that that you know that can provide, you know, potentially punt returns, can provide, uh, you know, some from jet sweep, uh, orbit motions around, you know, in the, in the backfield to keep uh, linebackers and safeties on their heels uh, when you're when you're at the line. So yeah, I think that there's options there to kind of get to. To to add to this team, and we've got a pick at 40th overall, and potentially, depending on how the Hopkins trade is finalised, there might be more in there. but, yeah, we've got two, two, um, two second-round picks and a third to try and add some talent in those positions. I think cornerback's got be, to be one as well. Uh, Jeff Gladney from TCU as well as a player uh, like Jalen Johnson from Utah. Again, a team, as I said, i would watched a lot. I think they, they, they could be fits for the, the way in which I think the scheme will be played. Obviously, got Anthony Weaver as a first-year coordinator, so there's probably some unknowns on that and exactly what he's looking for and how he wants Combine his his cover and uh, rush abilities of all his players, but you know, thinking and it could go either way. But I think that that those guys look potential fits for the Texans. But yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting because there's a lot of unknowns. We've got two rookie play callers on either side of the ball, so depending on what they want to build in, if they'll be allowed to build in, that's probably a bigger question. Um, <laughs> um, but if what what, the, what they can build in um, to to their game plans, then. Um, there's probably some unknowns there. So I think based on that, I think based on the draft being process, not being as usual, no top 30 visits. Um, it's all kind of, you know, being did, you know, Skype led, uh, digital, you know, other, other technologies are available, but in the, the process has changed, no pro days. So there's going to be guys who have character questions or have, you know, fitness questions or whatever it might be. Um, could well fall in this draft. So I think you could see this year some impeccable value in the second and third round based on the process not being its usual. But uh, but yeah, I think there's some of the positions that we can look at. But they've got to, they've got to be able to rush the passer come week one, which they can't now. I don't know if they can do that in the draft. And that's that's probably the biggest concern.
2: Yeah, plenty of players there. Texans fans to keep your eyes and ears peeled for. Um, you know, Good sort of roundup there from you, and in terms of the, the value that could be around um, in terms of the second, third round prospects. Um, obviously, the Texans, mate, perennial um, playoff contenders. Um, obviously, can they get over the hump is the big question. Um, so as we close out this segment, mate, give us a reason why you think the Texans can get over that hump and maybe go all the way and win the big one. And then on the flip side of that, you know, a reason that they might fall away and end up missing the playoffs this year.
5: Yeah, I mean, as, as overly simplistic as it sounds, if you've not got a quarterback in this league, you've not got anything. Um, so Deshaun Watson is a reason to believe for any team, just as a true franchise passer is. So you're always in a, always in a chance uh, to win, no, no matter how you know all the other units play. And you saw that in the Buffalo game in the playoffs, that there's always a chance when, when Deshaun's got the ball in his hands. And the reason, think, to, a reason to miss. Yeah, I, I I think just what I said earlier. I think if you can't rush the passer, um, you've not got anything. I think, it's again, it sounds overly simplistic, but it's not that. You know, you know, when you come out from the, you know, the the, the complexities of some playbooks of X's and O's, if you can't run, rush the passer, by definition, you can't cover because it's impossible to cover for you know more than five to six seconds even with premier talent on the back ends of your defence. So if you can't rush the passer and get the quarterback off his spot, then uh, you've not got you got much of a chance to uh, to keep the score low and give your offence a chance to give them the ball back. So, yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest thing um, that's that potentially, well, it was the Achilles Him you saw in the playoff game. If they just had one edge rusher against Mahomes in that playoff game, they probably would have had a chance. Um, so trying to find one it's almost like you had a first round pick from Carolina and you walked him out to the South Carolina and you walked him out the door so um, yeah it's funny how these things come 360 for you when you make bad decisions in a front office but yeah Ed Rusher's got to be the big concern and how they fill that need in, in some way or another
2: Yeah no absolutely um, just in terms of the betting just quickly touching it we mentioned earlier when we were talking Jags the Texans to win the division are 3-1 to one. James if, if I was giving you a pound mate would you be tempted at 3-1 to one with the Texans that's to win um, the division, by the way. Obviously, not the Super Bowl. That's that's to win the division.
3: Well, to be to be fair, it's a three way fight, and any one of the three horses could probably win it. Um, sorry, Jags fans. But um, to to be fair, say you put a quid on any of these teams, you're not getting a lot back. So, um, yeah, it's, if the, the Texans probably, you know, the third in a three horse race, but this. Is one of those divisions where it wouldn't shock me if you end up with the wild cards coming out of it. So, to make the. I'd, I'd love the bet to be to make the playoffs as opposed to to win the division. But, hey, you go.
2: Well, there's one for Adam to research for us. And you and final word to you, mate. If you think they can get over the hump and go all the way, 50 to 1 best price for the Super Bowl, mate. Is that worth a pound of your money?
5: Uh, 50 to 1. You, you never know. Um, you just never know uh, what's going to happen. So, 50 to 1, yeah, a pound is. Worth, a, worth a, worth a, worth a punt, isn't it?
2: Worth a punt, mate. Absolutely, absolutely. You and working Texan fans engage with you on social media, mate, and talk all things Texans. And I, you've obviously yeah. got your, your other podcast as well, I might Give it a plug.
5: Yeah, so you can uh, download and follow the our podcast, uh, the Turn Up for What podcast, um, and it's uh, and it's at Podcast Texans on Twitter and at Podcast Texans uh, for all the for our website. So. Yeah, if you're not already following, uh, come and join us, and we'll, uh, you can hear more of uh, more of me and a lot of uh, Houston-based guests talking Texans pretty regularly. Um, so yeah, come and check us out if you're uh, such such way inclined for the the punishment, and as such as the podcast title would suggest. So yeah, check it out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Great work from the boys over there. Make sure, if you're not following, that you do so and give us a follow back. Obviously, as we keep saying, any other Texans fans listening to this that have got a view, get in touch with us on Twitter, of course, at Full10Yards. Leave us your comments. You can record us some audio messages. Um, We want to get as many people connected as we can, particularly through these next few weeks, as we keep saying. So, great to talk some football and you. And that was really insightful, mate. Pleasure to have you on, as always, buddy. Keep in touch and we'll speak soon, mate.
5: Yeah, take it easy guys. Stay safe and wash your hands. All right, cheers.
2: Cheers, man. Halfway through the south then and now let's turn our attention to the team that had a glorious run at the back end of the 29 campaign, didn't they? Um, Obviously a great playoff run, powered very much by the running game and we'll talk about that shortly as the big piece of that offense has been franchise tagged, um, which potentially is a little bit controversial considering the contract they gave the quarterback, but... I will save my opinion on that and we'll bring in a Titans representative. Adam, how are you doing,
0: buddy? Uh, yeah, very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: Absolute pleasure, mate. As I said, let's get straight into it, mate. We bring you guys on to give us your view and your steer. You follow the team, obviously, a lot more than I do. But the big news, of course, for the Titans was two personnel decisions that we knew were coming, both on the offensive side of the ball. Ryan Tannehill, obviously off the back of a great, you know, sort of, I, I don't want to call it a cameo because he played more than half the season in the end, um, but obviously um, his first sort of body of work for the Titans ultimately netted him a big contract and Derrick Henry, the guy that you would argue is the MVP of the Titans, therefore has to settle for the franchise tag. Talk us through it from your perspective, buddy.
0: Well, I mean, starting with Tannehill, I think that cameo is quite a nice word um, because I think that's what we all thought it might be um, when he came in and Mariota. I mean, I I initially had still had hopes that, Mariota would come good and you know he he may do it at the Raiders who knows but um yeah when he got benched uh midway through our game at, at the Broncos it was it was just a no-brainer it you know you, you couldn't carry on with him how things were. Tannehill came in yeah, the the following game the team immediately immediately looked different and we started winning and he just I, I didn't expect it, I'm not going to lie. Um, from everything I'd seen of him at the Dolphins previously, um, I, I didn't think he would galvanise a team and just put them on his back the way that he did. Um, just numbers that justified the deal he, he's had. And you know, within how oh, it felt like a single game, he just had that impact. And, it, and the consistency just, just kept going. His numbers dipped in the playoffs, but that was... Probably more down to game situations and, and what the team was doing it was nothing that he did wrong um, I think he's earned his earned his contract, and it's not a ludicrous contract it's a I think he's going to be the ninth best paid quarterback in the league and often you know the the salary caps going up each year so whoever's got the the most recent deal is is getting paid and that's that's how it is um I'm very happy about that deal getting done. There were rumours of Brady, Rivers, other, other QBs being looked at, and obviously rumours that Tannehill would, would go elsewhere. Um, I'm pretty happy to have something done that we know works for our team. You know, everyone in the league wants a quarterback that they're happy with and they, they trust that you can get the job done. I think we, I think we've got that. Derek Henry is probably a bit more, bit more complicated. You know, there's only so much room in the salary cap for, for, for all these deals. You want to sign everybody. Um, the team, by the way, have you know, let Jack Conklin go, who was uh, another potential um, big deal. Yep, uh, he, he's off to, off to your boys. Um, who, but yeah, who, by the way, I think will do, we'll do, we'll do a great job. But it's, it's more of a case that we can't sign absolutely everybody. Derek Henry, we've got to do something. Um, yes, it's hitting snooze on the issue for a bit. I get that with the franchise tag. Um, but I don't think he's going to be the sort of guy that will hold out or, or at least not in a prepared to miss games kind of way. I mean, I, I hope I'm not wrong about that. Um, but he, you know, it, it's, it's a no-brainer again. I mean, everybody around the Titans, Titans fans absolutely love him. Um, his, his production has just been ludicrous, as we all know. Um, he, there aren't other running backs out there like him and, and when he's the MVP of your offense you've, you've, you've got to keep him and you know, hopefully that's what we'll do I'd say long term but how, how long is a running back's career So that's, that's why you've got to be a bit careful with, with this sort of deal uh, but the, the positive is that 2020 we'll, we'll have both of them on our offense
2: yeah, no, absolutely. I I agree with everything that you've said there. I mean, I think the you know, the position that Tannehill plays, it's obviously more important to get that deal locked down. And I think the key thing there is the longevity, as you just said, in terms of the running back. I think Derrick Henry's production, as you say, fantastic. You just worry that if a four or five-year deal goes down, you know, he obviously hopefully doesn't end up in the same sort of position as you know. Take Todd Gurley as a good example. Um, you know, where wear and tear had um, obviously got the better of, of Gurley, and he's obviously now been shipped on. And that is the awkward thing with running backs. I'm a huge running back fan, but you can understand why teams are sort of more reluctant to pay that position. And as you say, I think Tanner Hill. A lot of people will just remember those playoff numbers, as you alluded to. But I think, as you said, it was scheme, it was game plan um, at that time. You know, when he was ever asked to throw the ball, you know, when he got involved in a couple of shootouts, probably most notably the one against the the Chiefs. Um, you know, the, the the game during the regular season that uh, the Titans won. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was able to move the ball, you know, with ease when he wanted to. So. Yeah, for me, I think absolutely the right decision. Um, You mentioned Jack Conklin there. He's obviously going to be a big loss and hopefully an excellent player for the Browns. I'm certainly looking <laughs> forward to seeing him block for Nick Chubb next year. So that should be good to watch. And you mentioned Mariota. Um, any other sort of um, free agency movement, um, just to bring us up to speed? You know, I see a couple of the, the sort of lower level players that you've probably released. Do you want to just talk us through anything else that the Titans have been up to?
0: Well, I mean... A little bit of movement on the on the defensive line. Uh, we've picked up Vic Beasley uh, with the Atlanta Falcon. Um, Jarrell Casey has has disappeared out of the building, though, who's I think a sort of nine year titan and absolute fan favourite. Probably yeah, coming towards the twilight of his career. Um, that's that move. I'm less happy about um, as a as a big Casey fan, uh, but. one of those trades where you get nothing in return that's just about cutting some salary cap and that seems to have been seems to have been the plan I mean there is a little bit of room Um, I think a a lot of of Titans fans get the sense that there's room for sort of one big name in there whether that whether that's going to be a deal for Logan Ryan who our, our quarterback who hasn't you know, free agent haven't got a deal done there. You know he could be he could be going elsewhere, but if he he doesn't, there's, there's room to sign him. Are we there were a lot of rumours about Jadavian Clowney, um, who may want to stick two fingers up uh, back at the Texans, who you've just been talking about. <laughs> but yep. yeah, that looks less and less likely by the day. Um, but yeah, I think uh, John Robinson will have something up his sleeve. I would I would hope. And um, you don't the last thing you want when you The type of team that is, you know, or or would like to think you've got a sort of playoff Super Bowl run, you don't want to leave unspent salary cap at this stage.
2: No, absolutely. And you know, let's move on to the draft. Obviously, as you say, the you know the, the the free agent moves. Potentially, there might be one or two left up up the sleeve. But if we look at the draft, which we know is still scheduled to go ahead in April, obviously in a very revised format. But obviously, not a huge amount of of capital to play with obviously drafting all the way down at number 29 overall um, off, the, off the back of obviously a successful campaign um, but no picks in the fourth or sixth round so obviously really important that the first couple of picks here get hit on if you were putting the card in what sort of positions do you think you'd be looking at to solidify across the rest of the roster?
0: It's always a tricky one this as as anyone would know who listened to the, the five yard rush mock that we did a few weeks back um, you I mean, we're still sort of guessing what how free agency is going to finish. So, if if the Logan Ryan deal doesn't get done, if he moves on, then we might be looking at a cornerback. Um, equally, you know, potentially an edge rusher. I mean, I think I think the first picks going to be on defense, come what may. Um, so, you know, an edge rusher, someone like a Gross Matos, um, I would think, might be available towards the end of the first round. Um, cornerback. I mean, in that in that mock we did, I ended up taking C.J. Henderson as that that kind of level potentially. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's still I still need a crystal ball really to to work out how that's going to go, depending what what we're left with. Uh, but it seems like there's well, I can see a fair amount of of talent in both those positions in the in the draft. Maybe second or third round. I mean. Other positions, we we should probably look at the offensive line, given that Conklin's moved moved on. I mean, Dennis Kelly, who's been a, a swing tackle up till now, we've we've signed um, got a deal in deal in there, um, and I think Dennis Kelly will be our starting right tackle this year. Uh, but some some more depth there might be the the way forward, possibly whether this be sort of second or third round or lower or lower down um, a young running back. I mean. It's just Derek Henry right now. Uh, Dion Lewis has, has moved on. He, I mean, he wasn't really a factor anyway. And just to have you know, some, something, yeah, change of change pace back for, for Derek Henry, third, third down options, some, or, or even just something to give him a little bit more longevity, fewer snaps as, as much as, you know, if you've got someone like that, you, you want to give them the ball the whole time. Um, yeah, eventually he will. He'll break down, get tired. So the, there's there's some options options there, but yeah, hard to hard to predict. I think it's not as easy as being Cincinnati and you know, having the, the first pick overall, where everyone knows what you're <laughs> gonna do.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's also, you know, probably a a sign of the strength in depth throughout the roster. Like you say, there isn't a a glaring need. You know, appreciate like you so, say, not too sure yet on the Logan Ryan situation. So that potentially becomes one. But as you say, you know, potentially an opportunity to go best player available. I certainly think they will take a running back at some point. You know, whether it's one of the the sort of third day picks in terms of round five, round seven. You know, whether they would spend anything higher than that, given the limited capital they've got. We'll wait and see. Let's uh, flip it over to fantasy. James sitting patiently waiting to get his two-penner thing on the Titans. I'm still here. (laughs) He's still there indeed. Um, I suppose, obviously, Derrick Henry's name would be right up there, mate, in terms of fantasy relevancy for the Titans. But uh, take us through where you see most of the points coming if we were picking Tennessee Titans in our fantasy drafts.
3: Yeah, Derrick Henry's obviously going to be the highest-drafted Tennessee Titan, and he's going to be debatably first round, if not in the second, but um, you're going to have to spend high capital to get him. Um, Whether it'll be a good move or not, I don't know. No no running back for a long time. I couldn't even tell you who it is. There's a back-to-back 1,400-plus yard seasons, So it's going to be a bit of an uphill struggle, but with the way that that offense is built, I think... It's fair to say he is going to be um valuable um he's he's at the moment he's projecting to go around the same area as Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs, so you're probably going to have a decision in that kind of tier so uh that'd be worth uh, a bit of a well worth thinking about um, we talked about tannehill i mean it's amazing what you can do when you escape from adam Gaze. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah. I was definitely trying
3: to, try to dig that bit in, but I was like, I didn't find a window, so I had to make sure I get it, got it in there. But <laughs> um, I actually think that Tannehill is going to be one of those quarterbacks that ends up on the waiver wire, and people who decide to just not pick a quarterback until very late and just stream the position. So based on their opponents, Tannehill will be one of those who gets picked up quite a lot, and someone might end up just running with him if he ends up getting a bit of a hot streak, but. I don't see him troubling the draft area so much. Uh, The main guy of interest is A.J. Brown. Yes. Because he was, frankly, fantastic in his rookie year. And he sort of, you know, I'm always cautious about, you know, rookies picking them up in the first year. You know, they're unproven at this level. And, you never it's going to take them a few weeks to get particular fancy relevance. So, always, whenever I'm sort of drafting, I always probably knock them down a few rounds further than I should. Um those people who do Dynasty though, obviously, um he was clearly one of the best guys to have picked up last year. Um now this year, with the experience under his belt, the chemistry with Tannehill, he's gonna go rather high. Um but when you look at sort of you know the calibre of wide receivers kicking around the place, he's probably not a bad idea. At the moment, he's sort of projected in the same area as Alan Robinson, Jarvis Landry, Stefan Diggs now with the Bills, Brandon Cooks, and Christian Kirk. Now, obviously, it's still early, and we've still got all the rookies to come in. But to me, he, he is effectively the number one. and On a team that's unlikely necessarily to draft someone to, who's going to usurp him, he is intended to be their number one with Corey Davis as the number two. So I think that he could be a value. In the long run um, We'll have to wait and see um, I think a lot of people Will still be going Sophomore season Do I really want to pay that much But I actually think He probably is worth the money um, The last thing to note Is With Delaney Walker leaving That was another um, Point of note It means Johnny Smith becomes Now the de facto Number one tight end Still doesn't mean You should draft him Because it, I think that's going to be A kind of tight end By committee As I've called it um, With Anthony Furkser. And it wouldn't even surprise me if they go that way in the draft as well, potentially. Because Johnny Smith's had three years to kind of prove himself and he's either been injured or um, just not been able to step up properly. And who was pretty solid in what he did last season. So those two could be an interesting tandem in NFL world, but it kind of ruins both of them for fantasy on the afraid.
0: Can I just jump in on Johnny Smith? Um, he, I mean, he's... Up until the year we've just had, um, he's he's pretty much been behind Delaney Walker. I mean, Delaney Walker's had injuries as well, um, but to to me, he's looked incredibly good. Um, just really come on and and improved no no end in the last in the last twelve months. Um, but what you're right with what you say about um, tight end by committee, and Arthur Smith, you know, that's that's his background anyway. And you, using Verza. Yeah. Yeah, others Pruitt as well. We had last year, and there'll be, there'll probably be. It wouldn't surprise me um, if we pick one up in the draft, maybe lower down as as well. Um, so, as much as I love Johnny, and it's, it's, there's no criticism of him whatsoever in this. No, but I don't think I think you you're right when you say he's not got a huge fantasy yeah. value based on what he's. What
3: he's Johnny. one of those where he's a really good tight end, but he's just got no fantasy value. There's a few. There's a few people at various positions where it's like, I'm not saying they're a bad player, it's just that the situation really hurts them in fantasy and he is one of those candidates.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: No, absolutely, mate. Yeah, like you say, it'd be interesting to see what they do at that position. See if they do add anybody through the draft. Just before we let you go, Adam, we've talked to all of the representatives for the teams about the betting in the South, and you know it looks competitive on paper, and certainly that's what the bookies have got. They've actually got the Titans' best price as the second favourites for the division, at two to one, just behind the Colts. Uh, the Texans at three to one, and the Jags are the distant outsiders. Best price of fourteen to one. Um, do you think that the, the Titans can you know, take that next step and, and sort of you know get the divisional crown this year? You know, let's not forget that the Texans did just hang on to that last year, despite Tennessee obviously having that great playoff run. And I suppose you know if you were looking at the season prospects overall, what would be a bad season um, you know, and a reason that that might happen, probably in terms of missing the playoffs? And, and obviously, if you think you can get over that hump and go that little bit further, what did the Titans need um, for it all to come
0: good come January? So, well, firstly, the bookies never fancy the Titans, and, but that, <laughs> well, not not just the bookies, any anybody really. Um, I, I, oh, it's it's hard not to come across as a as a homer when you're bullish about your team, isn't it? But um, I I would put us ahead of the Colts right now, um, probably. And well, I'd, I'd be more worried about the Texans until they inexplicably traded their <laughs> elite wide receiver, <laughs> but. Uh, for what could go what could go wrong? What I'm worried about, I'm worried about the Tennessee defense a little bit. Um, and Dean Pease, our defensive coordinator, has retired, um, and he's just been a guy the last couple of years who's always got more than the sum of the parts he's had. Um, every single you know, in any given game where it looks like the the defense is struggling a little bit, they'll come out in the third quarter and suddenly those woes will be fixed. He'll tweak something or um, just stop whatever was hurting us in the first half. Um, so, so he's gone, and Mike Brabel. It looks like he's going to take the reins himself. I, I have concerns about whether that, well, whether that's enough. Whether he he can he could do everything himself. Um, so, yeah, my con, my concern is that if we the defense becomes more porous, we've got an offense that relies heavily on the run, and you're suddenly in a situation where you're you're struggling to stay in games and they get away from you so that that's where i could see it potentially go go south and yeah i mean uh, based on you know, I, i'm feeling ambitious right now i think a bad season for us is is missing the playoffs um on the flip side if i think the the key to a playoff run or even further who knows is a strong offensive line and if we can you know, if, if Dennis Kelly steps up and you know, bookends with Luan at the other side um, with the tackles and we've got, you know, Roger Saffold's been there, been there a year and has, in, has improved and the offensive line production is strong. Um, Tannehill and Henry behind a strong offensive line is hard to stop and I think that the team could really go places if that works. I um, mean, it didn't work for part of last year. I mean, it worked better towards to further through the season that we got. Um, so that, that's the thing that you know, it could just be one little draft pick that, that comes off or just avoiding injuries, whatever it is. But if, if that works, um, high hopes.
2: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I don't think it's a, a generous price, don't get me wrong. So, you're not going to get rich, obviously, backing them at 2-1. to one. But I, I would personally also have you down as favourites for the division from my angle. I think, you know, the Colts, obviously, I think a lot of that has been, you know, associated with the Rivers signing. But, you know, we know that <laughs> as good as Rivers can be, also he's obviously very prone to turning the ball over, um, you know, so... I think Tennessee absolutely got everything that they need to make another good, strong run at this. And I think the only thing that will be different this year is probably more people are expecting that. I know you said, you know, in jest that nobody fancies the Titans. Obviously, there is just that level of expectation and people will probably pay more attention to them. Um, You know, they've been perennial nine and seven, eight and eight kind of candidates. And I think people will be expecting them to, to possibly go a little bit further than that. So it'll be interesting to see how they cope with that expectation.
0: On the, on the on the Colts, just quickly, I, you know, as well, I mean, as a, a fan in the AFC North, you'll have been up against Roethlisberger for so many years, and you just get sick of it. When when you've got that rival that's had Peyton Manning for what twelve years or whatever it is, and he goes down, oh, then you, then you draft Andrew Luck, so you've got to play him for him for seven or eight years. Suddenly, an aging Philip Rivers. Puts a smile on my face, shall I say? Yeah, it's quite nice <laughs> pros- an quite an quite I don't a want a to... prospect, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, playing playing Rivers twice a year when he's well, he's at the back end of his career. I'm putting him politely here, um,
2: but very politically correct there.
0: <laughs> ish, yeah. Oh,
2: absolutely! It's certainly going to be a different prospect. Um, Adam, where can all the Titans fans find you on social media and interact with you?
0: uh i am well i'm at ad foxcroft um i also can be heard on the long snapper podcast which is at long snap pod um for titans fans we've got a, an account at transatlantic tn the transatlantic titans uh we also do a podcast there every now and then so have a look that's yeah i mean we've all got time on our hands so that's a lot of podcasts to get through but um yeah what else are we going to do Absolutely,
2: mate. And as we've said with this series, all about trying to bring the community together, keep everybody talking, and like you say, there's plenty of good content out there. So absolutely, absolutely go and yeah. go and give it all a listen and a read, etc., etc. Of course, any Titans fans listening, if you've got a view of you know anything that Adams covered, then get in touch with us at Full Ten Yards on Twitter. You can leave us voice uh, messages via our website, etc., etc. Be good to get some views from you as well. Adam, thanks ever so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. You take care, my friend, and we'll speak soon.
0: Yep, you too. Thank you very much. Cheers.
2: Cheers. One team left (laughs) to do, and of course, we did say that we would get him back on to talk about his own team. So, James is still with me, um, but we are rejoined, I'm delighted to say, by Rob. How are you, my friend?
4: What is up? Thanks for having me back on, Sean. Um, it's It's good to return. It's good to return.
2: Pleasure, mate. Pleasure to have you back with us, and obviously we're going to be talking some cults. I'm looking forward to you and James having a bit of a ding dong about fantasy, and see who's the see who's the real fantasy expert at the full <laughs> ten yards. So I'll, I might just sit back and watch <laughs> that one unfold. Um, no, I'm the quiz expert. You, ser- you certainly are. <laughs> but...
3: <laughs> Fantasy's just the backup, mate.
2: Absolutely, mate. You uh, you are the king of the guesswork, mate. That is that is to be sure. Um, I'm, that's I'm, not, I'm, gonna I'm not going to either of them. <laughs> I'm not going to either. them, don't <laughs> Let's talk football then. and um, Let's talk about, obviously, the, the significant news and the big news, if you like, for the Colts. And that's obviously bringing in Philip Rivers, a quarterback, obviously rocked on the eve of last season with Andrew Luck retiring. Um, but obviously, Rob, um, you have a big commitment to a guy who's certainly on the back nine of his career, it's safe to say, um, still obviously very productive. He's had an excellent career. How do you think Rivers is going to fit in with the Colts?
4: I think it was a it was a great signing. I think um, a lot of people called it before it happened. I've, in fact, I think ninety percent of the analysts were talking up about um, Rivers going to India. And I think it's a good move. I think uh, we, we've suffered. Uh, the Jacoby Brissett experiment was was fine while it lasted. It and but that was all it was. It was fine. It wasn't great. It wasn't. It was. It was average. And you know, Jacoby Brissett is a career backup. That's the reality of the situation. He's a, he's a bloody good one as well. He's a good career backup, but he's not a starter. Um, and we've seen that. He's had two chances now. And, and unfortunately, he just hasn't, hasn't got that sort of that killer punch, that final sort of um, drive in him. So I think Rivers has got that. I think um, Rivers has had a fantastic career and most of it behind um, a sort of a non-existent O-line. So now he goes to Indy with a fantastic O-line. Um, he's got a real chance to sort of go out with a big bang.
2: Yeah, completely agree with that. I was going to say that was the key thing for me. It was really that offensive line. Like you say, you obviously lost a little bit of mobility. um, But obviously, you know, you'd like to think that the offensive line will more than make up for that. Um, Part of that offensive line, of course, Anthony Castan. I can never get this name right. Castanzano, is that how we pronounce it, Rob? Castanzano, something like that. Castanzo, Castanzo. You know who we I mean. He's obviously resigned. That was obviously a good bit of business in free agency. Talk us around the rest of the Colts' free agency activity.
4: Uh, yeah, we um, he was a sort of a key piece. I think he's thirty-two, thirty-three, uh, but he's still not old. Like you know, you see some o linemen go until they're like thirty-eight. So you know, he's not old in that respect. He's a key piece, left tackle um, uh, for for us. And 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 I think we've got three excellent uh sorry, four excellent O linemen in Braden Smith, um, Quentin Nelson, um our, our centre um name escapes me Kelly, um and um left tackled Costanzo. sort of our weakness is is right guard which is Gluwinski. Um now so it was key for us to have that fourth piece because with four really good offensive linemen you've got a good unit. Uh, with with three you start to have holes, um, you know, uh, so to have that fourth man, brilliant, absolutely fantastic, great signing. Um, Pierre Desire, Desire was, was one of the casualties, which was a little bit bizarre for me. I thought, considering who we brought in to replace him, I thought it would have probably been better off just keeping Pierre Desire there, to be quite honest with you. Um, but no, uh, Costanzo was uh, Costanzo was the big one, um, for me anyway, um, uh, and, and his back, so that's good.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Of course, um, other big news, trading away a first round pick for Buckner Mm. from the 49ers. Do you think that was fair value? I mean, obviously quite um, significant capital to give up um, and probably out of character for what the Colts have done in recent time. There obviously comes a point where you've got to start spending some of that capital. Do you think that was a wise investment for Buckner?
4: I think it was a win for both teams, if I'm quite honest, because um, I, I think that, San Francisco will be happy with a with a sort of a fair a thirteenth overall pick is you know, fairly high pick. So I think they would be fairly happy with that. And I think Indy, we, the defensive tackle position is one position that Indy has really struggled with for the last sort of five or six seasons. Really. It's been one of our big priorities for a long time now. So to finally get the guy that some of us wanted drafted when he first came into the league, we wanted Buckland to go to Indy. So to finally get him, he's still young. He's a two times pro bowler. Um, you know, he's, he's one of the best in the position. Um, fully deserved of the of the contract we gave him, the extension. Um, and I think he is a, a, a fantastic piece to bring in. And, you know, it cost us our first round, so what? You know, we, we wouldn't have got anyone of his quality, proven quality, at that pick. So
2: Yeah, I, I think it was fair as well. And like you say, certainly in terms of the talent level, obviously, you know, he was probably a victim of numbers on that 49ers front, wasn't he? So, you know, they weren't going to be able to keep everybody... And like you say, it's a good addition there for the Colts. Obviously, still got a couple of second rounders to play around with. And let's move our attention to the draft. And that was probably another reason why that deal was able to go down. Um, Obviously, slated to pick 34th overall as now their first selection. Um, But obviously, they've still got a a second second round pick. So, picking at 34 and 44 in the second round. Um, What areas of the team do you still think are going to need some work, mate?
4: Uh, well, I think the glaring one now is now wide receiver. Um, that seems to be, you know, we've got T.Y. Hilton. We've let De- Devin Funches go, even though he spent the majority of last year of his $10 million one-year contract, he spent that on the on the uh, injured report. Um, but, um, no, I think wide receiver now. Paris Campbell is a guy who was a rookie last year. Again, he had some injury problems. He's really good. And if he stays injury-free, he could be a really Deep sleeper for fantasy uh, we're going to come on to that in a bit um but uh, ty is the only real pass catcher there jack doyle i think he's had his i think we've had the best of jack doyle i don't think he's going to do much more so it's pass catchers that's the answer um a lot a lot of people are questioning will indy use both of those second rounders to move back up into the first round it's not the ballad way put it that way it's not the ballad way to do that um however it's different this year because as well as a wide receiver or a pass catcher, we also need a quarterback because, you know, if Philip Rivers, you know, he's getting on and he's, he's not going to, you know, last long, um, we need his replacement. So is it this year we draft him or do we wait until next year? That's, that's the big question at the moment surrounding Indianapolis.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. So just in terms of that scenario you said there about, you know, coming back up into the first round, if that was to mm-hmm. be the case, Who do you think he'd be targeted for? I mean, I saw a mock draft earlier. I think it was on one of the Colts' websites um, suggesting that Jordan Love might be in play if if he's moving back into the first.
4: That would be the one and only reason, I believe, unless a Jerry Judy or a CeeDee Lamb fell, which I don't expect they will. Um, I think Jordan Love would be the only one. Now, we have just done the NFL UK mock draft, which I was drafting for the Colts uh, with a couple of friends of, of mine and Adil, who, who's uh, one of us at the full 10 yards. Um, we actually did do that. We did uh, trade up to the first to grab Jordan Love. But... My my friend quite rightly said, uh, he did say, well, that's not the Ballard way. That's not how Chris Ballard works. He doesn't tend to do that. But I don't know. Jordan Love might just be the talent that changes that.
2: How far up into the first round do you think they need to go? How, How far did you go up in that UK mock draft, just as an example?
4: Uh, I picked him at 29. I traded with the Titans. It was an inter interdivisional trade, um, so it was 29. I think I paid. Um, I didn't pay the 34. I paid the 44 and the 75th to go up to 29. Um, so I still had that 34th pick in which I picked a wide receiver. So it worked there. Whether that's a kind of a realistic trade to happen in real life, I don't know. I would say, I think
2: you fleeced them there, mate. That was excellent yeah, work. Yeah. Excellent work. That,
4: that was a good trade. I don't know if that actually happened in real life, but, you know, um, so we sat there after the first two picks and I had Jordan Love and T Higgins. Fantastic. That was, that's a dream for us.
2: Oh, absolutely, mate. Like I say, I think if uh, if Ballard pulls that out on draft night, we'll uh, all be singing his praises, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> right then, boys, I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to come to James first for some fantasy guidance, and then I'm sure you two will have a bit of a ding-dong backwards and forwards. So, James, if we're looking for Colts, where are we looking, buddy?
3: Well, there's two obvious names, Marlon Mack and T.Y. Hilton, who... There's every chance they might go very similar positions in the fifth round. I think if anyone wants to draft both of them together, you're probably going to have to be on the 4-5, or five sort of, on the edge. So, you know, on, in the snake draft, winding round to be able to get both of them. Um, whether that's advisable, I don't know. T.Y. Hilton, to me, is probably going to benefit from having Philip Rivers over Jacoby Brissett. And I'll be honest, I think he's one of those where, initially, he may be an absolute value. But I think people might wise up. So the earlier you draft, the better his value will be. I think he might be one of those that rises as you go through you know, go through the mock draft season and then you start hitting real drafts. And suddenly the value may not quite be there as much. Marlon Mack, again, should be strong, albeit I don't think he's going to have quite the impact of, sort of recent seasons and maybe what people perceive he will be able to do. With Philip Rivers there now, um, it's a very different prospect to a team that's quarterbacked by Jacob Brussett, as we've said. So Max probably about the right value, albeit I've got it at the moment that he's going around the same area as um Devin Singletary. Uh make sure I've got that right. Yep, around Devin Singletary and Carry on Johnson. And I think I'd take Singletary over him. Um Carry on Johnson, that's probably pretty much his level. So at least it looks like this is <laughs> I've got it about right at the moment. But after that, Paris Campbell, I'm glad you mentioned him because I think he's going to be one of those sort of, you know, I'm hoping double digit rounds, um, but it's going to be a value provided he can stay fit. I think, you know, having so long off last season, people aren't sure what he can do, and he's going to be one of those that might be, you know, a sneaky league winning option. So I'm hoping Rob will agree with me on that one.
4: Um, I agree with I, pretty much everything you've said there, James, to be honest.
3: Hey, <laughs> it works, so, works for me. And the only other thing, to, well, two other things Philip Rivers is, I think, going to be in the quarterback stream Mario go around a bit, like I said, for Tannehill.
4: Yep.
3: Um, so, very much, you're not going to draft him, but on week threes against sort of weaker oppositions, he's going to be a streaming option. And Jack Doyle is the interesting one. Because I flip flopped on my opinion on Jack Doyle for a while, even in my, even when I was writing my tight end article, I was struggling because yes, he's lost Eric Ebron, but Eric Ebron was very much the sort of red zone target. Doyle was you know mainly to be on the field, but obviously he had a few injury worries as well. But even with Ebron gone, Mo Ali Cox looks ready to step up, so it still looks like a two tight end team, and I think I've still put him in the tight end pair section. Um, and if I didn't, I probably should have done because I think Mario Cox is going to sort of rob a bit more of Jack Doyle's fantasy relevance. So he probably will be a very good-looking value, but I think there are a lot better values out there than what he's going to be. But I think I've uh, I've waffled long enough. Rob, fire away.
4: <laughs> no, I, I I agree pretty much with everything you said there. Um, I I would personally take Mac over Singletary just because we have a sort of bigger deeper um sort of relationship with with Marlon Mack in fantasy football we've seen him do it the last couple of years he's he's been fantastic really really impressed me last year considering this time last year I was a driving force behind Indy need to get another running back because Marlon Mack's not quite good enough whereas last (laughs) year absolutely fantastic um just circling back to T.Y. Hilton Interestingly, uh, with Andrew Luck, uh, a.k.a. with a quarterback that can throw the ball, uh, T.Y. Hilton has been a top a top 15 receiver uh, three out of three years. Without Andrew Luck, without a quarterback who really throws the ball, let's just call him Jacoby Preset, uh, he's outside the top 20 both years. So Philip Rivers, he's coming in. He We know he throws the ball. We know he's got a nice deep ball. T.Y. Hilton, I think, is guaranteed to be a top 10 wide receiver this year.
2: Cool. Yeah, I think I think you two boys have um, developed a good chemistry there. I was expecting <laughs> you to start, you know, going backwards and forwards, but you're both nodding in agreement. So it's it's good to have a bit of love on
3: the uh, on the podcast. Good work, boys. Who <laughs> hey,
4: hey, you knows, maybe we should <laughs> show together, James.
3: <laughs> may, well, maybe. I, I mean, at least that's one thing with with, uh, with us in the full ten years community. It's consistent advice. If we if yeah. we both think the same thing, then you should feel confident that we. If two people think alike. <laughs> maybe maybe more should, I don't know
4: Until you get me and Lee in a room together then there's, <laughs> then there's fireworks
2: There certainly is Well I'm going to try and create a few fireworks mate Because I've just had this Go conversation on. with Adam from the Titans And we're just going to touch on the betting um, So really competitive division as we know Take the Jags out of it, they're at a big price But then you've got the Texans at 3-1 to one, The Titans at 2-1 to one, And the Colts at the moment at least Divisional favourites at 9-5 to five. I'm not having that, Rob. I know you will be because you're going to support your team and absolutely, but surely the Titans are the favourite for this division or do you think the Colts rightfully are in terms of the bookies' favourites to pick up the divisional crown?
4: Look, the Tennessee Titans had one lucky season last year and <laughs> uh, they're... <laughs> no, um, in all fairness, Tennessee looked good. Um I think Bill O'Brien is is doing no good at all in Houston. I think they're only going one way, which is down. Uh, Jacksonville don't look anywhere near their former selves and look like there's going to take a little bit more work for them to get back into it. Um, so I, I do think it's between the and Tennessee. But I I I am biased, I know, but I think we have the edge. I I think we're going to go. I think we're going to go eleven and five this year
2: will be interesting I'm still not having it mate I'm still to be convinced I don't, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it was that lucky of a season from Tennessee but uh, obviously we'll, we'll hopefully wait and see no, I, I'll, give,
4: I'll give them credit credit where credit's due. they had a fantastic season however Tannehill isn't the answer um, they could have got Brady and I think uh, and, and that would have changed things but with Tannehill Hill. I, can't, I don't trust him two years in a row. Um, I do like A.J. Brown. I do like Derek Henry. That uh, defence is great. I, I, okay, they, they, it will be close. It will be closer than I, than I first said, but I still... <laughs> we, we own <laughs> the AFC South. We've owned them for 20 years. <laughs> I,
3: was, I think just, them, Go on, James. I think them losing Jack Conklin might be the difference. You see, it really, if you look at the off-seasons, the Colts have gained by getting a better quarterback. And the Titans really, they lost one of their main offensive line pieces. And, you know, their pickups haven't been that much. They've mostly been about tying down their stronger suits. So compared to last season, you'd say their roster's a tiny bit weaker and the Colts is a bit stronger. So it will be tight. But it's going to be one of those divisions where just every, you know, you could have three teams pretty much in contention going into the last few weeks. Which is great for fantasy.
2: Yeah. yeah I don't think you'd be a surprise to see um, you know, some of the wildcard teams coming out of the division as well. I think it, it is all set up to be tight and competitive. And this is the thing that we love about it, isn't it? We just had Adam on telling you how pleased he was as a Titans fan with the Tannehill signing. And here's Rob saying as a Colts fan how pleased <laughs> he is with the Tannehill signing. So there you go. <laughs> Tells you all that you need to know, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um Rob, obviously where can all Colts fans interact with you on the social media front, my friend?
4: Uh, Colts fans you can Interact me with At FFBritBaller Titans fans you can Interact me At Full10Yards
2: Beautifully done mate Beautifully done But all joking aside As Rob said If you've got a view on it Colts fans Titans fans Anybody from, fact, from The AFC South As that's now All the team's done Please remember Get in touch with us At Full10Yards uh, We're quite happy to Have some conversation And debate Leave us some audio Messages on the website As well And you know, hope Hopefully we can play some of those out as well. It's all about getting people's opinions and getting people talking. So thoroughly hope you have enjoyed the AFC South preview way too early, admittedly. And we'll probably do some of these again as the season gets ever nearer. But Rob, thanks for joining us, bud, for the Colt section.
4: No problem at all. Good to be back.
2: And James, thanks ever so much, buddy, for your input throughout all four teams. No worries. And, of course, we will sign off, as we always do, in the great words of Kevin Cadle and say bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. bye-bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full10Yards or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.